Hello and welcome to the Daily Post podcast. My name is Yuri Mello. I will be your host as I guide you through the most valuable and relevant emotional and psychological ideas. Ideas that will transform your perspective and enhance your personal life and relationships. Let's do this. This is episode number 41. Well, here you are, and thanks again for joining me for another terrific week in challenge. And oh man, such a critical one. And I mean critical because of how important and valuable our relationships are and how impactful they are to our own emotional, psychological, and even physical well-being. Our relationships, our attachments are such weighty matters. And today we are going to talk about intimacy, which includes physical intimacy although it's just a variable in the equation, and I'll come to that in a little while. I admit that doing research on this topic has just completely kicked my behind and brought to my awareness some of my own flaws, some of my insecurities, some of my own patterns that are fear-based, and honestly, they're just poor adaptations that have caused some harm in my own relationships And unfortunately, even to my own dear Katie, my lovely spouse, unfortunately, this is a reality that ultimately the closest people to us, the most critical relationships in our lives, they will get our whole selves, right? They'll get our warts, our tantrums, our beauty, our gifts, all of it. That's just how it is. But I think today... I'll really start this podcast by really talking about the conversation that I had with my sweet mother the night before my wedding to my dear Katie. Among other things that we talked about, my mom said to me, and I've never forgotten it, she said, Yuri, let me tell you how this works. And she said this like in her heavy Portuguese accent, Yuri, let me tell you how this works. You make love all day and have sex at night. And that's how it works. Now, don't get all excited and go on running to your spouse. Honey, honey, Yuri said that we should be having sex every night because that's not really what I'm saying, right? And I don't want to be blamed for, you know, somebody coming in and saying, you said this and that, and that happens all the time. But what I'm really saying is this, having sex whenever and however often is really symptomatic of a loving, intimate and connected relationship. So let's talk intimacy, and more importantly, let's discuss how we're going to nourish it, how we're going to heal it, how we're going to fix it, how we're going to encourage it in our lives. And honestly, after all of these years of working with couples, what I have found and what I believe is at the heart of the matter, the central issue in all the marriages that I've worked with, Rarely is it about the content of a couple's arguments, and almost always, even in my own life, the central issue is concerned with the quality and the responsiveness of the attachment relationship that that couple has. And let me explain. The bottom line test of that relationship is in the answer to one fundamental question which is are you really there for me 
Now just take a second and think about some discussion or argument that you've had with your beloved, right? And see if you can't identify or see them in a new light, maybe even realizing that beyond all that was said in those arguments, maybe all that they and you as well, right, what the both of you were really asking of one another was, are you really there for me? Do I really matter to you enough that you'll put me first when it really counts? Before your job, before friends, even before your family? Am I safe with you? Do you believe me? Will you be patient with me? Will you see and trust my efforts? Do you care about me? Will you respond to me? Like all of that is the central piece. And partners in troubled relationships feel that at, that at some basic level, the answer to this question or to these questions is no. Or at best, maybe. Look, we know that all couples fight, but the fights that really define a relationship are always about the same thing. And, and that is whether the partner feels that they have a safe and secure connection with the other. I don't know. I mean, how does that, how does that ring to you like this? How does that sound to you? In fact, I mean, if you're looking for an excellent read, in fact, I would say it's like, it's a transformative read, especially if you're in a relationship. Read Hold Me Tight by Sue Johnson. She is the founder of Emotionally Focused Therapy. And man, I, I think she's captured it. I think she's figured it out, at least at some levels, right? And I'm sure that there's lots of other things to figure out, but I'll have some more thoughts and quotes from her in a moment that I believe will create a deeper understanding and offer some hope as well. But let's define intimacy for a moment. I think for me, when, when something is intimate, it's close, right? There's closeness, there's togetherness, there's nearness. And intimacy between individuals in a marriage or a relationship, and this can even be parental uh, and other types of relationships, but those relationships can only happen, they will only happen when there is a sincere attempt at understanding and feeling understood, when one feels accepted and is accepting, when both are willing to be vulnerable and to take some risks, and when those risks are taken, right? When we express things that we fear, that we desire, that we hope for, things that matter to us, the emotional responsiveness of the partner will determine whether that relationship will be one that is intimate, one that is close, one that is safe, a healing relationship, or one where the other partner will feel that it isn't safe. That his ideas or her ideas or the beliefs, concerns, fears, hopes, requests, complaints aren't safe there. And the only possible outcome for that relationship is that it will be stunted. It will just be stunted because of that lack. And it will plateau. And some of that emotional vitality that's in a relationship will likely wither and become lessened. Now, I know that things go wrong 
and I know that we're going to fight, and I know that we will hurt each other. And man, that's like, that's a relationship. In fact, there's a great quote by Sue Johnson, and she says, if you dance with somebody, they're going to step on your feet. They're going to go left when you expect them to go right. That's just the way it is. The point is, in a good relationship, you can recognize what's happened, and you can tune in, and you can repair it. Tuning in is what she uses, is the wording that she uses to talk about emotional responsiveness. She says, you can tune in and you can repair it. It's emotional responsiveness. That's the basis of a secure bond. In fact, she goes even further when she describes the process that often happens in marriages, right? Of connecting and disconnecting through our disagreements and our difficult discussions, or even when we're hurt and then we reconnect. And her thought is that those interactions, of course, are super challenging, but they're so essential to the livelihood of the marriage and the relationship. So that process of disconnecting, repairing, and then reconnecting is key. So think of it this way. In your own relationships, your ability to to create and encourage intimacy, and listen to this, hinges on these two things I'm going to give you. One, it's your willingness in conscious effort for some of you to risk and be vulnerable, to be communicative, expressive, inclusive in your life, and interdependent. And two, it hinges on your ability to tune in and to be emotionally responsive and receive your partner's risks and ventures with attentiveness, a seeking to understand with acceptance, safety, gentleness, affection, kindness, and mercy. And when that combo happens, intimacy grows, trust grows, and we very quickly get the message. And what's the message? The message is, you are safe with me. Your secrets are safe with me. Your hopes, your fears, your embarrassments, your shame, it's safe with me. And then what else can stop us? And then after that, everything else can be resolved. And with that wonderful freedom, with that connection and that acceptance, comes creativity, comes freedom, comes acceptance, and comes an increased ability to be our very best. I've always said that relationships will demand the very best of us, especially in those critical moments. But here's the beauty, is that relationships will also lead us to be the very best. As I thought over some of the cases that I've worked on over the years, in addition to my own personal life, I've also found something that was kind of interesting that I honestly, I hadn't thought about. But I found that intimacy is a process of discovery. It's so interesting as I pondered about this topic, I realized that so much of my time with clients is spent building quick intimacy. I mean like, and I mean like within the first 15 minutes or 30 minutes, and I mean obviously sometimes over months, but the message that I'm sending loud, clear, consistency, consistently is that everything you tell me in here is safe. I will handle it gently. It will be looked at with compassion and mercy. I'm going to receive it with a perspective of non-negative judgment. 
and with an overarching hope that together we can address and resolve anything. So how do I do this in 15 minutes? So that within 30 to 45 minutes, people are telling me their deepest, darkest, most embarrassing and shaming secrets, stuff that they've never uttered, like it's never dribbled out of their mouth. Well, this is what I do. And of course, for some people, this will take longer. And honestly, for some clients, they'll never allow it. But just the same, this is the pattern that I follow. And maybe you and I can learn from this. So number one, I greet people with gladness and affection. And I remember, this is all part of the, like, I'm here for you. You're safe with me, right? So one, I greet people with gladness and affection. Two, I compliment them all the, all the time. Three, I show interest in them and ask them questions to give them an opportunity to risk and to share. And I usually start with things that are easy to talk about and that are somewhat impersonal. And then I gently move toward those things that are deeper, more personal about their lives, their thoughts, their feelings, their beliefs, etc. Number four, I'm locked in and attentive. Number five, I'm engaged and responsive to what they are saying. Six, I'm looking to understand them deeply, their points, their concerns, their thoughts. Seven, I demonstrate and communicate an acceptance, a non-negative judgment, and reassure them that whatever they say is safe here. In a way, they very quickly understand that their mistakes, their errors, their fears, their anxieties, their suicidal thoughts, their whatever type of behavior, their emotions are not fearful to me at all. In other words, nothing they say will create or rupture the relationship. In fact, it will strengthen it. Sometimes I will literally get off my seat and clap out loud when people share something that I can tell was difficult for them or if it was a moment of courage and vulnerability. And number eight, when the time comes for me to share an idea, an opinion, advice, I'll do so with permission. I'll be soft about it. I'll leave it up to them. I'll leave room for my own ignorance. And I do this because I'm always working to maintain and to make the next interaction a safe one as well. I'm not interested in being an expert. I'm interested in a cooperative relationship. And finally, I'll ask for their final, for their honest opinion, for their thoughts, and even for their own assessment of the visit. I'm telling you this because I need to do more of this in my own relationships. And I hope that you'll do them in yours because I want you to be sending this clear message and that message is, I'm here for you. I am the very best place for you to land. And I will listen and seek to understand you. And my hope is that we can do this better with our spouses, with our kids, and other relationships that are key to us. This is also wonderful because when we do this, we're then able to model for our kids what a healthy relationship is like. And a healthy relationship is one that helps you to feel safe and where the interactions with that person are easy some of the time. And you feel that you can be vulnerable. And when you are, man, those people respond and they tune into you and they care about your vulnerability. And that's who you go with in addition to them being wonderful and inspiring and somebody that you would want your children to be like, 
And if you find somebody like that, pick that dude or that dudette, right? And if you're already married, well, let's get busy becoming those people. So you're probably thinking to yourself, oh my gosh, Yuri, when are you going to stop talking about intimacy and start talking about sex? Well, that's a great question. (laughs) But what I've been laying down for you is the foundation that cannot be ignored if sex is to result. Remember that your relationships are living things. They are living, moving organisms. And like every other living thing, if you starve them of attention, if you ignore them, if you leave them on a shelf for years, then you turn around and you try to pick that up off the shelf. Well, I'm sorry, but they've shriveled up. And I, there is no pun intended with that last statement. But those things will die. So I'll talk about two things for a moment, specifically about sex. And I recognize that all of us are, we're just so different. We just are. Like our ideas of what sex is, what it means, what it looks like, how often, where, when, with what props. Oh my gosh. We are just different. And often you have one partner that wants to be intimate more frequently and even more intensely and the other one who doesn't. And sometimes these differences can be so extreme that can lead some spouses to withdraw completely from the sexual component of the relationship in a way meaning that they become avoidant, right? And the other can become more aggressive, like verbally and emotionally abusive at times and even manipulative, right? Pouting or using anger or to kind of manipulate the situation or to create and instigate guilt. And all of this can sometimes lead people to feel hopeless and helpless and then bitterness and resentment set in. And we, of course, want to avoid this push and avoid type of cycle. We want to provide some healing and then we want to allow each other to just try again. Reset things a little bit. There is power in resetting and trying again. I go back to the sentence that my, mom, that my mom said, make love all day and have sex at night. All sexual relations, and just hear me, like it's, I'm being clear with you. All sexual relations, all sexual ha- activities have to be consensual, period. Period. If something is uncomfortable for the other, if they feel it's demeaning, hurtful in any way, back off. In marriage or out of marriage, and if we don't, the sexual relationship will become traumatized. That's why I spent so much time discussing intimacy and emotional responsiveness because we need to build that foundation so that a natural, a natural sexual relationship can flow from that. For those of you who are more aggressive and specific with your sexual wants and frequency, start by recognizing that we are not talking, that we are talking about wants and preferences, not needs. This may seem small and just semantics, right? They're just words, but the difference is important. If you don't have sex in an elevator or in an airplane, you're going to live. If something isn't done just the way you like it, you're going to be okay. And if you're not, 
it's possible that you've got something else going on. And honestly, we probably need to spend a time, some time together, and it would be good, honestly. And if you, for whatever reason, have given up on sex as well, can I just suggest one thing? It's possible that making love is able to do just that. Make love. That means that sex or making love, I actually prefer that phrase, isn't just an outcome or a symptom of a healthy relationship, which I've talked about. It can also be a vehicle to a healthy relationship. It can inspire love. It can inspire affection. It can encourage connection, bonding, trust, forgiveness, psychologically and even physically as the brain releases oxytocin, which is like the bonding chemical. So this is just a thought for you. Consider trying again. Consider experimenting. And this time, maybe be a little more expressive of what it is that you would like and what is out of bounds for you so that your, so that your sexual experiences can be more positive instead of negative and becoming resentful, full of resentment. In the end, I would describe a healthy sexuality in these words or in this kind of interaction in a way. Hey, do you want to make love? Yeah, great. The other interaction, hey, do you want to make love? Uh, I'm tired or I'm stressed or I have a headache or even though I hear that sex may alleviate those, right? Or I have a toothache or I just got nothing left to give today. Or how about a rain check or even I just need a little time. And I hope that the answer is the same. Great. So the answer is, either way, great. Anyways, I hope that this was helpful for you. I have no doubt in my mind that at the pinnacle of human achievement, or even spiritual achievement, or even from an evolutionary perspective, stands our ability to love and to forge these relationships to encourage intimacy. My very best to you, and may you make love all day and every once in a while, whenever, wherever, may you have some sex as well. Enjoy, and I'll see you tomorrow.